Magic Club. Together, we'll discover inspirational stories of creative entrepreneurs living out their dreams, doing the work they are most passionate about, and building wealth in magical and fun ways. While building a six-figure income as a writer and coach, helping other women to launch their dream businesses, I've connected with so many incredible people and seen it proven again and again that you can thrive financially doing whatever it is you are passionate about. I'm here to share life-changing strategies for mindset, making money, and reaching more people with your work in a business and life filled with creativity, freedom, and fun. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Creative Magic Club. I'm super in, uh, excited to introduce to you my guest today. Leah Karlish is a Swiss-born NYC brood, polyglot actress, singer, songwriter, dancer, and teaching artist currently residing in Minneapolis. Leah digs into her Jewish roots, but also mixes and clashes other cultures, languages, and disciplines. She created her own multilingual one-woman show, in Love With A Dream, where she blends Yiddish kite with Latino flavor and New York swag. Leah has performed Yiddish solo concerts in America and Europe and starred in multiple Yiddish productions off-Broadway. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So let's kick this off with you telling us a little bit about what's your story? How did you end up doing the work that you do today? Cool. So what am I doing? <laughs> I do many different things and I do them almost at all times, like together. Um, I sometimes say I'm like a smoothie. So I have many passions and I, I mix them into the same space. And that's why I created a one woman show because in the past, so I grew up in Switzerland. I moved to New York to study musical theater and I went to a thousand auditions like many others and I booked some stuff and I didn't book others but I always felt like I don't quite fit in into that standard type that they're looking for. And especially musical theater is very typecast. And along the way, along all those rejections, and there were many, I started writing, I started writing down these rejections and it, sometimes it would end up in a song or in a rap or in a poem, or I had a funny story of another audition and I made a dance about it. So I started collecting my experiences in an artistic way. And then a woman that I met at a Shabbat dinner, so I'm Jewish and I, you know, sometimes go to Shabbat dinners, said, I'm looking for an artist for my business corporate event. You got 40 minutes, here's your stage, do whatever you want. And that was really the first time I was given the opportunity to create something rather than trying to fit into something somebody else had made. Um, and that invitation for that performance started off sort of a series of me creating my own content. So I created this one woman show and then became more comfortable doing Yiddish solo shows and um, writing my own songs, which I had been before. But it was sort of I realized this is what I'm good at. And I was sort of done standing in line at 5 a.m., you know, in Midtown, New York with a thousand other girls it was just not my path anymore. Um, so yeah, currently I'm creating mostly my own content and I love also being part of other plays and other people's projects, 
but I saw that my strength is really in being a one woman business or one woman show, you know? Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up here. I love and, that. No, carry on. Maybe to add to that, um, Jewish, I grew up in a Jewish home in Switzerland, which many people are often quite confused. Ooh, there's Jewish people there. There are not that many, but moving to New York, Judaism has completely opened up to me because there's so many Jewish people in New York. Um, so I never planned to become a Yiddish singer or do a lot of Yiddish or Jewish, uh, you know, theater. Um, and it was funny because I auditioned for all these schools in Germany and I didn't get into any of them, not in Austria, not in Germany. I tried Holland and I guess it was a sign because now what I do is so much about my roots and taking old material and making it new. And if I had ended up there, I'd be so curious what would I have become, you know? So I guess it was uh, destiny. That's amazing. And what I love about your story, and I know that this will resonate with so many people who listen, is that you know, that, that, that pain of like the rejection and not feeling like you fit in and not feeling like you have a place or feeling like, you know, you're multi-layered and like all of the different parts of your identity led to this feeling of just like you were different, like you didn't fit in. Um, like that's what's actually birthed, like what is the most amazing thing about your work at the moment. And particularly for people who are from different places and you travel to a new place or, maybe you grew up in, you know, a few different places or you work in one place and live in another place, it can lead to this, um, yeah, like diversification of our identity. And sometimes that can be seen as a barrier and sometimes it can really be experienced as a barrier, but it just goes to show when you lean into that and when you embrace that, like amazing, amazing things that really make you unique and not only make you unique, but, um, you know, are the birthplace for so much creativity and so much incredible content and independence and the ability to contribute something so new and so interesting to your field, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I, I like to be, sometimes I, I, as I said, I love being part of, of productions where I'm just one element and not I'm producer and writer and um, there's a beauty to it. But that's why I think when I create art or all my projects, I try, I think what I do is so mixed up that whoever comes on would never feel like they don't fit in because I don't even, I'm never looking for that, you know, five foot eight um, has a high belt C note, you know? So uh, that's also what led me to, yeah, I'm mixing all these different cultures. I speak many languages as I know you do too. I speak um, French, yeah. Um, or yeah, some other people who have been on your podcast. There's here are a lot of accents actually. Mm -hmm. I love it. So yeah, I think creating that space where someone never actually has to feel like, ooh, I don't fit in. That's really also my goal because I've noticed that that happens a lot, not just to me. I love that so much. And I mean, I'm in Montreal right now, which is like basically my home. And it's one of those places where there's people from all over the world gathered in quite a small space. And you, you, you just kind of get used to the fact that everybody's speaking, you know, with a different accent from a different place, from a different country, from a different continent. And um, 
that's my favorite thing about it, you know, like that diversity. And like when you go to a picnic in the park or you have a dinner table, uh, like everyone's sitting around the dinner table, like everybody is from a different place and it's never boring, right? When, When you're living with that much diversity and you just get to learn. Like anytime you meet someone who's from a different place from you, there's so much to learn that you just have like instant access to all of this knowledge that you would never have access to if you hadn't been to that place or even if you had been to that place, you know, because we, that's what we bring and that's what makes us so interesting. And, um, yeah. And I love, I love how you're like, I didn't mean to, you know, you kind of fall into this niche because it's, something that just takes off or the universe just kind of like puts you in a situation where it comes around and then it just really starts working for you and I love it when you get that feedback from from content like I see that obviously when I'm working with clients and with myself like sometimes you hit on a particular topic that just really resonates with people and you get tons of feedback and people are really responding to it and I know that that's such a a fun feeling to have because you're like oh yeah I'm really onto something that people are really resonating with so I'm curious like what that process was for you as you started to kind of like niche into um and like seeing yourself as like oh this is really resonating like did you have some resistance around that or were you like this is amazing this is really fun for me it's funny I still have resistance (laughs) yes because Part of me, um, I mean, I do many things, but um, I, I don't want to be just one. Like right in the past few years, I've done a lot of Jewish stuff, which is who I am. And it's, it's like, I feel like I look very Jewish and, and some people think, oh, I, I sound Jewish, but whatever. Um, but I want to, some people love staying in that. And I actually, it's part of me, but it's not all of me. So there's resistance on a daily basis where I'm like, I actually did, a, especially during COVID, I was doing a lot of Jewish content, like Zoom concerts, plenty, because that sort of, there was always a need for that. Um, and I was complaining how I don't want to be doing this all the time. I want to actually work on my rap, you know? And some people, it's kind of weird because it's so the opposite of, of that other thing, like singing old traditional Jewish songs. Um, so there's definitely resistance. Um, but also the chat, my goal is also to bring, and it doesn't always work the Jewishness and give it a new flavor. And sometimes I'm trying to work a piece out for like, let's say there's a Jewish holiday coming up and I'm trying to tell the story in a new way, you know, or with a rap or something fun and not, it doesn't always work. So what I've learned is sometimes I would want something a, a certain way. And it, not every material lends itself to be everything. Um, and that is what I'm exploring. So it's like, you know, you can't write a song just by hitting a button. You have to experience something. And um, for example, my grandpa passed away in September and I didn't have a plan to write a song, but the only way to cope with it was I wrote a song that then actually I've never gotten so many responses from people for some reason that song. And that was sort of like, I like released it to, like on the side, you know? So I think it, it's learning how to go with the flow and not, it's, it's hard when to push and when to not. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm learning as I'm going. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I really kind of like resonate from the entrepreneurship perspective of like, give the people what they want 
that you're really good at giving them and they like really love to receive and give yourself the space to like really follow your passion and like experiment and try new things because that's what makes it so exciting and you know and allow that to evolve because who knows right like you know when I've been launching programs I'll be like oh this is like slightly different to what I was launching before and like it's a different message and maybe a slightly different um piece of the journey that I'm supporting my clients with but like really trusting that like when you feel really called to do something especially even if it doesn't work out the first time but that desire is still really there to give it a chance and to keep doing it and keep developing it um because then it you know who knows how that's going to feed back into your work as it evolves and and just really like allowing it to unfold so um I'm curious to hear like as an artist entrepreneur what are the like what are the best things about um the way that you're doing things and what are some of the biggest things that you've um some of the biggest challenges that you faced as you've been developing your career I think so the best things is realizing and you know acting coaches and all kinds of people tell you that early on but I think you need to go through a lot of rejections to actually start doing that is creating your own material and not everyone can do that. Some actors or some artists are just, they want to fit in and be part of somebody else's project, which is great. We need those people. But for me, since I've always had that really only because I didn't get what I wanted is that I had to sort of absorb that in some way. And I started writing or processing it in a creative way, but to, that's basically, you might ask me that later, but the big message, it's right here. It's to not wait for somebody to write your part. You know, write it yourself. And if you can, get somebody who can do it. You know, if I, that's the thing. I actually, in my one moment show, I sort of did that because I wanted to rap and dance salsa and play piano and speak Yiddish and talk in Hebrew. And there is no part out there that would allow me to do that. Um, and I'm actually... I would love, you know, people say, yeah, I want to be famous. I want to be in a movie or whatever, but they don't know with what, what would you want to be portraying? And I think I'm still figuring that out. And if I knew it, I would find the best writer, give him a lot of money and say, write me that part. Cause nobody else will other, like I have to take it in my own hands. So that's what I would tell to a lot of people, like take it in your own hands. Um, and if you can't do it yourself, then find the person who can and, you know, figure out how to get there. Um, but yeah, not having to wait for somebody to give you an invitation to show them how great you are or what you can do. And, you know, it's, it's still hard, though, because you still, you need others. You need others to see how great you are. You need others to say, oh, I have this concert, you want to come perform. I mean, it is not, you can't just exist on your own. Same probably with your business. If I mean, you People didn't reach out and probably wouldn't be anywhere. Um, but yeah, to not wait for the invitation. I think that is, is key what I've learned. And then the biggest challenge, you know, it's hard. Every morning I wake up and I have to be my own boss. And sometimes I just wish I had a list of things to do and I could do it from 8 to 5 p.m. And then go play tennis with my boyfriend, you know. There's like a never ending to-do list. And you also don't know when it's enough. Like the reward, in, it was so easy in school. You studied, you had a test, you got an A plus or not. 
or you have an interview, you land a job, you make this amount of money, and then that's it. And with these kind of professions that are like artists or when you're your own boss, there is like, when it, when can you relax? It feels like you can never relax to me. That's what I find quite exhausting. And the truth of the challenge, I, and maybe I should start my own podcast, I wonder how especially theater people or artists make a living. Like, because it's so hard to make a living and find consistency. That is really the big question. And I'm in that time of finding that out. It's funny because this past year it was COVID and I made the most money I've ever made, which is hysterical because it was COVID and nobody performed. But I guess because I was finally pinned down, like usually I, because I have family in Switzerland, I have a boyfriend in Minnesota, I live in New York. I was always moving so I would never get a maybe even side job or commit to teaching every week. I was just never committing because I wanted to go to that audition and run to that film set. So that last past year, I committed and started teaching fitness classes twice a week, every week. And there's a lot I learned, but I do think now that sort of we're moving out of COVID life, I sort of have to reinvent my business. You know, I think that is the huge, like a, a real challenge. I love this. And yeah, and I see this all the time with myself and with my clients, like when the universe is just poking you into the corner where you'll, you will thrive, you know, like all those rejections, like you knew that you've always had that in you to be able to write. And that's probably been a desire, but obviously there's a reason why we resist writing and putting ourselves out there because it's so vulnerable and there's so much fear around it. And we have to overcome so much, so much, many obstacles and, and so do so much mindset work to create something that like, we haven't seen done before or we don't see already possible or already represented. And that's just like the beauty of creating something so unique, right? And often it is that just like being stuck between a rock and a hard place of like, there's no other option but for you to do this thing. Um, so it's just amazing when when things unfold from that. And I totally resonate with you. It's the exact same thing for entrepreneurs in terms of like, being your own boss, I would definitely say boundaries are really important. I've been through that whole process of like, how do I turn my mind off so that I'm not constantly thinking all the time? And I'm, you know, having that separation between my personal life and my, and my work when it's the same person in the same place all the time. And, and I definitely see like, there's this pattern between, you know, there's this pattern in creatives where it's like, you have your artistic practice and then you have a teaching practice. And you know, the fact that we desire to, you know, people like us desire to move around and just have that urge to travel and be in many different places and parts of many different communities. I think that the fact that we can teach online now is just such a gift and being able to, you know, be able to balance that and create, create freedom and flexibility in that way. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of potential there for sure. Yeah. Especially, you know, talking about boundaries, Throughout COVID, I felt like there are no boundaries because even just going out or going to the restaurant or going to the bar or seeing a friend that that is already taking a break and then coming back and there was no coming back or leaving because, I mean, yeah, I left my house, but everything happened here, creating, teaching, brains, like everything. So I, I felt that was so hard. And, and then if you have a partner or whatever, 
family members the same. So then even within, there was just no boundaries. And I think I'm so happy that is now sort of lifted because it's hard as is, but that this year even, even more. So, yeah, I know. And everything on Zoom too. It's been like a, it's been like a boot camp in boundaries to not yeah. completely lose our sanity, but we got through it. And um, so what's next for you now that, you know, things are starting to open up again and you're getting back in the theater, what's going on? So, yeah, I basically have a, a summer lined up of projects, shooting a movie, shooting a music video, doing a film program, and then traveling and visiting friends who are having babies <laughs> in Europe. Um, but the challenge is sort of because I do many things, uh, I'm like dabbling in film and I do theater and I write and I have concerts. It's sort of that feeling of always going from one to the next is, is quite exhausting. <laughs> it's exciting because it's not bo- It never gets boring and things can come up like tomorrow. Somebody could say, Oh, in November, but um, it's, I think for me, prioritizing, which is huge. It's like, how can you do everything, but still have priorities? You know, even with teaching, like I'm constantly debating how important is it to me? And I noticed I was actually on a vacation in Mexico a few weeks ago and I missed my students really more than performing, which taught me also something. But so like the next few months, it's really figuring out what are priorities and not in the long run, maybe the next 10 years, but just for the rest of the year, you know? Um, So that is my upcoming challenge. (laughs) Um, Yeah. in navigating doing a thousand different things the perpetual challenge of the multi-passionate creative person (laughs) um so what would you say if you could kind of put your work and your mission into kind of like a core message that people get from from your work and seeing you do what you do what what do you think that would be I think it's to just unapologetically be yourself. Like, it's funny, it's on stage, that's very easy for me. In life, I think I come across as confident, but actually it's a little different. But um, that, to be open also to sharing your flaws. Like, I love sharing all the things I can't do on stage. It's so freeing. It's so freeing. And I think that's why people really are moved because not many people share all the things they suck at and to dare to dream big in front of other people. I think that's what I, I do really loud and well and with a grain of humor. So um, I think that's what I do. And I think that's what gives people a sense of, of freedom to see somebody else dream big and fall down. That that's, that's what we need more. And I, I know you've talked, one of the episodes I've listened, somebody's mentioned something similar um, about sharing the failures, how it helps other people. I think that's what I do, but in a, in a creative way on stage with a song or some funny skit. Um, yeah, I think to not be ashamed to dream big and loud and to fall hard. I love that message so much. And wait, when you say that you do things that you're not good at, do you mean you talk about things that you're not good at or you actually do things that you're not good at on stage? Um, that's funny. <laughs> I'm very competitive. I, I need to be good at everything I do. But 
um, I, I'm willing to share where I fail. And that I think is, is, is a great learning experience for oneself because you can get over it by sharing it and producing something out of it. You can get past it and it's not in your way anymore. And other people can relate, you know, without it being them. I mean, that's why I think art is so powerful. You watch a play or something and you experience something through someone else, um, which could do wonders. So, but no, I actually need to work on doing things that I'm not that good at in personal <laughs> life because I just take it to way too serious. Um, so playing tennis, I'm not amazing, but I'm okay, is one of the things how I, how I start to try to just, just play for fun, you know? Yeah. I definitely know the pain of not being good at things, <laughs> but it's the only way to get good at things, right? Yeah. Like going through that learning curve. And also not everything matters. That's the thing, you know, I'm never going to be an Olympian in tennis. It's just a fact. Um, so it doesn't really matter, you know, but it, it is hard. It's really hard for me. To <laughs> totally. And yeah, I think that's such an important message about failure. I don't know if you know Sarah Blakely. She, I think she was the first woman billionaire. Who, she was the creator of Spanx. And she talks about how her dad would always ask her, like, how did, what did you fail at today? And they would celebrate every day. And he would really celebrate the fact that she tried and failed at something versus like, what did you succeed at today? And clearly that was a mindset that set her up for massive success in entrepreneurship because you do, you have to fail so many times to get good at something and to actually see it through to the point that you are good at it. And I think, yeah, like this kind of myth of, of talent holds a lot of people back. Like, oh, I'm just not talented enough. Or, you know, you could have, you could have been like, well, I'm not like five foot four enough or blonde enough or whatever to, you know, to be on Broadway and seen that as a very real reason why you couldn't succeed at the thing that you wanted to succeed at. And yeah, we don't know what we're good at and unless we keep moving forward and trying new things and being prepared to, yeah, go through the discomfort of, of doing something that that's new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's funny in the moment of failing. I mean, it's so uncomfortable. It's so pain. It's like, it's like, it makes me feel like a child every time you fail. But I think once that, that moment of sort of little trauma is over, I think you actually have more push. Like when I look at, my experiences of when I felt super down because of something that I did, you, you, you get like a little, you know? So I guess it's just, um, yeah, we should all fall down once a day. I love it. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with us um, today. Where can people find out more about your work and what you've got going on? Thank you. So I have a website, which is pretty simple, <laughs> leacollege.com. L-E-A-K-A-L-I-S-C-H.com. And then same name on all the platforms, my YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook. That's pretty much where I am. So, um, yeah, and I have, uh, I'm releasing a music video uh, next Wednesday. And so, yeah, there's going to be more coming. Amazing. I cannot wait for your new music video. Everyone, go and check out Leia. Thank you so much for joining us. And please go over to iTunes, leave a five-star review on the show, subscribe and share it with more people to get the word out there. And thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next week. Bye. For more inspirational content, head over to my website withsaramack.com 
And please support the show by liking, commenting, and subscribing.